Welcome to the Healing Movement Podcast. Hi, my name is Dr. Grove Higgins, your host for these discussions on optimal performance, healing, and thoughts on living the good life. Um, let me introduce you to Dr. Trent Claypool, as well as Coach Pat Marquez. Uh, we're all part of Neuroathlete Clinic, located here in Monument, Colorado. Uh, we all have our coffee. And so we're all ready to go. So today we're going to discuss a very important issue that is facing a, a lot of people right now uh, because of the time of year, the holiday blues. Uh, we'll discuss uh, the difficulties many are facing because of COVID crisis and that is also overlapping this time uh, of year and how it's affecting all of us and maybe making the blues a bit bluer. Yeah. Um, and finally, we'll discuss what you can do about this, both from Dr. Claypool's perspective as well as Coach Pat Marquez. So uh, to start off with, um, you know, I did a, a study, a, a quick search this morning on Google, typed in holiday blues, and 100% of the first 15 pages were all dedicated to mental health. And the very first uh, search result that popped back was the SAMHSA, the government uh, website for substance abuse and mental health uh, services administration. And specifically, it popped up to their uh, helpline and their suicide prevention uh, page. So obviously, this is a significant problem and a serious problem for many. So Dr. Claypool, can you kind of uh, briefly tell us what is the holiday blues? And you know what uh, well let's just start with what are the holiday blues yeah you bet so so the holiday blues um you can think of like a little bit like an adjustment disorder so where you know something like depression or anxiety that becomes clinically significant is is present across circumstances um adjustment disorder type presentations come to us when we're presented with certain types of stressors one of the things that happens with the holiday blues is that we have expectations for what the season's supposed to be like. Oftentimes, it's supposed to be joyous and cheerful and happy. Um, and at the same time that that's going on, we're presented with uh, financial stressors, commercialism, uh, for some people, maybe some iterations of family stress that they're not normally exposed to. And so what we have is that people have these expectations of what they're supposed to feel mixed with oftentimes increased stress from work, school, in this season, COVID. And it leads to um, an increase in anxiety, sadness, depressive-like symptoms. Um, and so what we want to do is make sure we differentiate what is the holiday blues, which is this um, reaction to a stressor like the holidays that is not that will go away once the holiday ends and once they get through the stressful period, which is how we differentiate that from, say, depression which would be more long-lasting and having a bigger impact on somebody even after the holidays. Gotcha, gotcha. I, let me ask you something, uh, Pat. Um, you know, you were you you retired uh, military, um, and one of the things that he didn't mention in there but is really prevalent with people in the military is separation, right? The, they might be on deployment. They're just, you know, they can't get back home uh, and such like that. How does that affect people um, that you were working with while you were in the military? How did that affect people? How did it affect you? Well, it, people can be very different, but like uh, for me, in my two tours in Iraq, actually in between 2003, 2005, I actually missed two Thanksgivings, two Christmases, two birthdays, two New Year's, 
two wedding anniversaries, like right, right in a row. Right. I came back in between those two, but I was gone throughout the holiday season, actually both times. And it, Early on in a deployment, it's usually not as bad because you're still very active, right? And you're still doing a lot, learning what the job is or what the missions are and things like that. But as time goes on, it gets a, a lot harder. And so you, it, it, a lot of it depends on how busy you are with things that are, that are actively engaging you, you know, mentally and emotionally and stuff like that. But the, so one thing we would try to do is try to uh, not only maintain um, the operations we were doing, but also to force downtime, <laughs> actually, be, and, and give the chance for the, the soldiers to actually relax at different times and, you know, try to alternate it between units and things like that, because you still had a job to do, obviously, and it was a 24-7 job. But... Um, giving them downtime and like together, right? And so that's, you know, probably comes back to some of the things Dr. Claypool will talk about on, on feeling connection with other people. And so in a rel relaxed environment, not just connection with other people when you have 40 pounds of gear on, you're rolling in an up armored Humvee and with live ammo, but when you're just separate and able to relax a little bit. So in that, that context, which was obviously a little bit different, um, that's kind of how we try to deal with that through the holidays and make, uh, like special or new abilities for them to connect back to home, which was important, you know, whether that was satellite, you know, and, you know, nobody was zooming back then, but, uh, you know, those kind of things where they were actually had more opportunities to call home and spend more time talking to family and friends and things like that. Dr. Claypool, can you also talk about the overlap? Because like, especially right now, you know, weather's changed. We don't have as much sunlight. You know, how is, how much does seasonal affective disorder and other physiological things that the season brings on affect us right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've always remembered this from my neuroanatomy class because I, I love the name, but there's this little piece in the brain called the, it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And its job is to monitor our direct exposure to sunlight, and it regulates our, our body clock and our sleep-wake cycle off of that. And so one of the things that we see happen is that people will have an increase in sleep disorders and insomnia when the, the, the amount of time that the sun's out and they're exposed to it, particularly early morning sunlight, uh, it's really sensitive to that. And so what we find is that when people's sleep schedule gets off, that has huge implications for also their emotional and mental well-being. Yeah. So given all of that, we do see this huge shift um, with, you know, like I have people sometimes ask me if seasonal affective disorder is a real thing, and it's, it's absolutely a real thing. One of the things I also notice with a lot of the people I work with who have tendencies to head more towards the depressive side of things is that they often have times eating, um, you know, a healthier diet. Um, and eating just, you know, more whole foods and things that are good for them, like they're able to keep that routine in the, the summer pretty well when they're active, when they have all that sunlight coming in. Um, but it's something they struggle with once we get into the winter months. Um, so something that Dr. Akano and I work on here a lot actually is not only educating people about that, encouraging them to, you know, the, one of the beauties of Colorado is that we do have good sun exposure, especially in the early morning if you can get out. But we also work on, um, you know, some of the indoor lights that can sort of stimulate 
that super chiasmatic nucleus to get some of that same stuff going. So mm-hmm. absolutely, it's a real thing. Gotcha, gotcha. You'll probably use that in one of your tips at the end here. Um, and, and and from the standpoint of activities, right, the weather's down, so we're not as active anymore, uh, at least not outdoors uh, and, and such like that. Um, I know that for myself, uh, I lived in upstate New York while I was doing my doctorate, and the changes in in sunlight were profound. I mean, it affected my mood, and I didn't realize it until we got back. So, so let's 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 shift gears just a little bit. Uh, right now, overlapping with all of this is, of course, the whole COVID thing, which uh, you know has got a high amount of anxiety attached to it. Could you uh, tell us uh, r- real quickly? Actually, let's start with you, uh, Coach Marquez. What are you seeing when you're talking to people, uh, both in the rehab setting as well as in the performance setting? How is this, you know, this 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 background of COVID affecting people in their behaviors and their ability to fix themselves and 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 do their rehab or even just perform? Well, the in some ways it's kind of similar in, for both groups, the kind of exercise therapy group slash rehab and and then the the athletes and performance training. So a lot of the athletes in this year have not competed nearly as much, if, if at all, like some depend, some haven't, or have had seasons change or um, like less tournaments to go to and things like that. So that becomes very uh, stressful, actually, whether they realize or not, because they're not, they're, they're a performing, I'll say performing athlete, because as we know, everyone's an athlete. Right. So, but if you're a performing athlete, I mean, you go out and do competitions, whatever your sport is, whether it's, you know, uh, softball, football, track, etc., then a lot of their competitions have been limited. So that becomes very stressful for them. And, and Dr. Claypool talked about stress levels. And we often use the term threat intermittently or interchangeably, I should say, with stress. Right. So we think about a, a, a threat bucket and as that fills up, we think about your nervous system as this bucket. So as that fills up, then that becomes more, you have more and more bad outputs from that. So whether that's pain or uh, depression, or in this, in this topic, right, depression, anxiety type symptoms, that becomes harder to handle. So the athletes have had less competitions. They're not doing what they want to be doing as much. And so you can see that uh, affecting them, right? And so a lot of the, the advice I give them is about using the opportunity then to do a little bit more focused training. So you might not be able to get together with your team as much as you normally would, but there are a lot of individual things you can do to uh, improve your skills and work on your skills, maybe do things you hadn't done before, like sports vision training, which is hugely beneficial uh, and not used nearly as much as it should be. But take this opportunity to do those things and do as much of it outside as you can, uh, ideally, with weather permitting. Well, with the folks who are, um, you know, kind of our pain clients, people are coming with dysfunctions that we're trying to fix through exercise therapy, then, uh, you know, from that side, they're maybe they're not going to the gym that they used to go to. So the programs that we wrote up for them that got them to the gym, the social circles that they built there. Yeah, exactly. Those things are lessening. So what we have to do is then try to figure out ways of that. They can do the things that they need to do at home, uh, or uh, get outside more 
to do those things, you know, when the weather permits and things like that, because just like Dr. Claypool talked about, both the sunlight and the air, things like that makes a, a big difference to how you feel as a human being. Right. Yeah, most definitely. And then adding in on that, I mean, some of us don't feel like we're affected by all this COVID stuff, but I have a feeling that somewhere in the back of our brains, we're all a little worried. We're all definitely more conscious of things that related to this right now. How is it affecting people subtly, right? Besides, besides the, the obvious practical things that have occurred, how is, it cha- how is it changing most of us and what should we all be aware of and, and, and how it is affecting us before, you know, we should call somebody like you or mm-hmm. ask for help or at least just reach out to other people? Yeah, you know, there's probably a number of ways to conceptualize this. But as you were asking that question, one of the ones that came up to me was you could almost think about this as having a chronic stressor in your life, or or the same way that people might relate to chronic pain. And it's one of those things that even if you're not overly conscientious of it in the moment, it still has an impact on your daily functioning. And I found with, you know, to 100% of my clients, and I see, you know, about 25 a week right now, every single one of them is impacted by COVID in some way, including myself. And for some of us, that's just the awareness of if I was exposed, what do I have to go do? How do I protect my family? Right? Like that was my story this last weekend for other people. It's, it's, you know, my extended family members can't get sick because they have serious conditions. And so even though that person may not hold any personal fear of it, they now are are conscientious of of passing that along. And then still for some others, they're actually struggling with some of the, the cultural issues surrounding COVID of what does it mean to wear a mask? And what do I do you know, confronting this person who wants to come into my home and not follow our COVID rules and guidelines. And so really every little aspect of COVID you can sort of see as this this little thing that sort of sits on your nervous system and requires some level of attending throughout the day. Um, you know, you can think of um, your amygdala, like your brain smoke detector. And one of the ways I, I think of this sometimes is like, it's like there's just a little bit of smoke in the air so that that amygdala might just go off just a little bit easier, alerting you to danger. Um, and so that's kind of conceptually where I see the impact that COVID's having for most people. And then for some people, um, it could be triggering even bigger responses if they have some immediate fears and or for people whose nervous systems are already very, very taxed because they do carry diagnoses like chronic PTSD and things like that. Right. So it just adds another layer in on top of everything else. So yep. And so then adding that layer of COVID anxiety to holiday blues, it, it's just got to make it a lot worse, especially with the separation, because we can't be as social even I mean, Zoom is OK, but it doesn't substitute from being in the same room with people and such like that and people not wanting to travel and, and such. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's really important to mention here is like we look at we look at um, how the nervous system performs optimally. And it's when this this thing called ventral vagal is running the show. Right. And the theme to remember about ventral vagal is a story of connection, you know, and we show up to the world with curiosity and awe and wonderment. And when we lose that, we go into a story of protection or maybe even a story of disconnection if we get really overwhelmed. And when we look at the story of connection, for the vast majority of us, personal touch is one of the ways we get there with safe people. You know, whether that's that's a hug or, or, or some form of intimacy with your family. And so I, I've been actually really big on, on telling people to do things like, you know, um, getting massage work done, um, making sure that you're cuddling with your animals 
bubbles, making sure that you're very protective of, of safe touch with the people who are in your COVID bubble. Because um, it is one of the ways that, that our, our, what we call neuroception, our awareness of, of safety actually does come through, through physical sensations too. So it's a nice way to keep that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's transition into uh, getting some practical things on the table that people can start doing today. We'll start with you, uh, Coach um, uh, Marquez. What are two things that you think on a practical basis that people can start doing today to help them offset the, these holiday blues as well as uh, this anxiety, this overlaying, uh, overlapping anxiety from uh, COVID? Well, the, the first would be to Start exercising if you're not exercising and keep exercising if you already do. <laughs> um, you know, exercise has been, and you, you know, over the last few years, we've seen, you know, cover stories on, you know, between Time Magazine and other things about how exercise is the new medicine and things like that. But that's because we're doing a lot more studies on it. And, you know, a lot of those studies show that for things like depression and anxiety, that exercise consistent exercise is as good or better than a lot of neurotropics, you know, things that try to modulate anxiety and depression. So that in and of itself is probably the number one thing. And it does, it, it does several things for you that besides just uh, keeping you in shape and looking good or whatever it is, your, whatever goal it is you're exercising for, right? And um, the amount of uh, from a uh, neurological standpoint, the uh, oxygen to your brain and how well it's oxygenated it improves when you do a lot of exercise. And there's there's probably more studies on aerobic exercise than there, there are on resistance training, but more and more are actually starting on resistance training, which is pretty cool, on how much it helps the brain in a lot of different ways. Um, but... Uh, Aerobic training specifically has been studied quite a bit, and that allows you know, a better blood flow to the brain, so more oxygen perfusion to the brain, uh, which allows for you know clearer thinking, which allows for a uh, let alone the hormonal effect that happens from that endorphins you know from exercise. Um, but it's it really basically when we use our same analogy, it it reduces the threat bucket, right? It brings those levels of threat or stress down through physical exercise. Now, the advice there would be if you, you haven't been doing a lot, don't go crazy right off the bat, right? You know, ease into it. Even if you're getting out and doing daily walks at a, at a good pace, you know, this is assuming obviously that everything's pain-free, but, um, but just getting, you know, getting outside whenever you can to get walks in, um, and to, or if you do other levels of aerobic exercise, you know, whether it's biking, you know, which for the vast majority of the year we can do, at least here in Colorado, right? Uh, it's not that the weather's not that bad here in most areas, but, um, or running, if you enjoy running or any other form of cardiovascular exercise would be really good. Um, and resistance training is also great. And for a lot of different reasons, but that would be the number one thing first would be, you know, actually start exercising and do something physical on a daily basis as you go through this season, right? We, we tend to get busy with a lot of other things like Dr. Claypool talked about. Uh, we're holiday shopping. Of course, a lot of that's online right now, <laughs> right? So we're, we, we are sitting in front of computers 
of you know, so or electronic devices so much more now that we uh, are not getting around and moving as much. So if you take a focused effort through this holiday season to be more physically active, um, and of course you can contact us if you need ways to figure that out, but that would be the number one thing. The, the second big thing I would say is that uh, make sure you're getting the right amount of sleep as well. It can be kind of weird this time of year as the as light changes. And uh, when we talked about sunlight earlier, that's a, a really big deal. And of course, with devices that we're on and we're on later in the night as we binge watch Game of Thrones through the holiday season, things like that, uh, we're getting a lot more of that blue light. So, I mean, those are some of the things that I specifically do is use like black glasses at night to ensure that my my normal circadian rhythm and the, and the sleep cycle and the, the light um, sensitivity isn't activated right before I'm trying to go to bed. Um, that, that's a really important thing. So your sleep hygiene is really important. Being consistent on sleep times and minimizing blue light as much as possible before sleeping. Uh, those, those things, are, that would be the second big thing. Excellent, excellent. All right, Dr. Claypool, two, two practical, simple things that people can start doing today to keep the holiday blues to a minimum and offset some of this COVID anxiety. Yeah, so um, I'll make these pretty specific so that they're easy to institute as a practice. Um, so one of the things I want people to take from this is, is learning how to show up in that story of connection. And I think in order to show up in that story of connection, what we have to do is we have to let, let go of our internal and external judgments about how things are supposed to be. And so what we're going to look at is not what thoughts should you have, but how should you relate to your thoughts? And that comes out of this thing called acceptance and commitment therapy, where they did all these deconstruction studies on what makes cognitive therapy work. And we thought it was changing to the right thoughts. Well, then we did these studies where we deconstructed the therapy and we took those out. And it turns out that people still got better if they just monitored their thoughts. So it's like, okay, what's really happening here? So what we've learned is it's how you relate to your thoughts that matters, not necessarily what you're thinking. So that, that's, that's the huge, one of the first huge takeaways. What you're thinking does not necessarily predict your success. It's how you relate to that thought. So if you have the thought, I'm incapable of having a good holiday season, this holiday season is going to suck. You, that, is, that is going to happen then if you believe that thought, if you treat it like it's your truth. But if what you can do is have that thought and ask yourself, what's the nature of this thought and how does it behave? Is this thought useful? Well, we can identify that that thought's not coming from a place of connection. We can identify that that's probably coming from a story of protection. And so once we can identify that it's a not useful thought, the power of that thought tends to disintegrate a little bit. And then we can ask, how does that thought behave? Is it critical or is it connecting? Is it curiosity? And so connection comes from curiosity and openness. And so what we want to do is we want to cultivate thoughts that have we can relate to in a way of, of openness and curiosity. And that's what helps us connect with world with other people in this world. And it's what helps us show up to ourselves and our own feelings and our own experiences in a way where we can relate to that without increasing our stress. So asking yourself those thoughts is really important. The other thing that really helps there is starting to institute a practice 
like a like a daily meditation practice, five to ten minutes. Um, and I, I particularly recommend mindfulness because mindfulness at its heart is about learning how to show up with compassion to yourself. And the the practice of self-compassion that we are all deserving of at all times is inherently healing and it helps us get to this place of of connection and curiosity and so you know calm there's some other good apps out there um you know we do some heart math training through biofeedback that actually shows us how to regulate our heart brain connection and sort of take that sort of training to the next level um, is all really helpful stuff so learning to relate to your thoughts to move into that story of of connection how does this thought behave is it useful and then starting to institute some sort of meditation practice like mindfulness. Gotcha. Gotcha. And maybe we can put together some links that we can put in uh, with the, the video and the podcast. So, oh, excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, you know, this, this, is, this is a really important time of, uh, time of year to be t- discussing this because there's a lot of people that are suffering from this. So if you know of anybody, uh, including yourself, that are having issues with depression during this time of year and that, that anxiety of not being able to be around friends and family uh, and such, uh, reach out to them. And if you need that yourself, uh, reach out to your friends and family. Uh, Zoom is not the best uh, um, a substitute for connection, um, but it is at least a connection. And, uh, and you can make it meaningful. So there's a lot of great tips and tricks out there on how to, how to connect over video and, and such. But reaching out to somebody and having those conversations and uh, making sure that you uh, are looking out for other people in your circle of friends and family are really, really important. Uh, so so reach out to them. But if you're having those situations where depression um, and feeling uh, lethargic and having those problems that the holiday blues, if you go on and look, you can look at all the symptoms and everything, reach out to somebody like Dr. Claypool or, or Dr. Uh, Blair Cano um, about those types of things. So that way you don't have to suffer during this uh, holiday season and maybe they can help actually help make it better and turn the corner for you for next season uh, as well. So anyway, uh, Coach Pat Marquez and Dr. Trent Clay Pool and myself, Dr. Grove Higgins, uh, here with the Healing Movement Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.